Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. You know, we ended our broadcast last week beginning to look at the topic of setting boundaries with yourself within your marriage. So let's begin today by, again, looking at a story that Drs. Cloud and Townsend have in their book. Lynn was weary of Tom's chronic lateness and coming home from work. Because he owned his own business, he was often delayed at work. It seemed like such a little thing, but as time passed, Tom's tardiness became a big problem. Lynn would arrange her day to have dinner and the kids ready on time, and she wanted Tom to be home on time as well. Reminding, nagging, and conjoling Tom had been ineffective. Tom would either defend himself by saying, You don't appreciate the work I have to do to put food on the table. Or he would simply deny the problem altogether by saying, It doesn't happen that often. You're overreacting. Well, Lynn ran out of strategies. Finally, Lynn came up with a two-point plan. One night, as the couple climbed into bed, she told Tom her plan. Sweetheart, she said, I want to apologize to you for my crummy attitude about dinner time. Well, Tom almost fell out of bed. I've been a complaining griper whenever you get home, Lynn continued. You probably feel like you have to toss a few pounds of raw meat in the front door before it's safe to enter. No wonder you're late. Who would want to put up with that? Well, you're right. I really don't look forward to your resentment. Lynn nodded and continued, I'm going to try to be less angry and more caring and approachable, even when you're late. I may not do it well, and I'll need your help here, but I really don't want to be a shrew. Also, it's not just my attitude that I'll be changing. My actions will be changing, too. I love you, and I want you to be with me and the kids for dinner, but if you can't get here on time, I will have your dinner put away in the fridge. You can reheat it yourself whenever you get in. Well, Tom didn't like that last part. Lynn, you know I hate to make my own dinner. After a 10-hour day, I want to sit down to a prepared meal. I know you do, and I want that for you too. But it won't happen until you can rearrange things to get here when the rest of us eat. The next few days, Tom ate a lot of microwave dinners. Finally, he structured the end of his day to get home on time, and Lynn's important family time became a reality. When Lynn asked Tom why he had changed, he said, Well, I guess it was your two-point plan. First, you were a lot nicer to me. I felt more like coming home. And second, I just hate reheating dinner. Lynn solved a small but chronic marriage problem by making an important shift in her attitude. She stopped trying to change Tom, and she started making changes in herself. Lynn moved from seeing the problem as Tom's lateness to seeing it as her unhappiness with Tom's lateness. This opened the door to things she could control. You see, when you cease to blame your spouse and own the problem as yours, you are then empowered to make changes to solve your problem. How did she do this? She set a couple of limits on herself. First, she reined in her impulse to attack Tom for his tardiness. This wasn't easy as she was clearly right and he was clearly wrong. She would have been justified in confronting him at every infraction, but she placed a boundary on her anger since it wasn't solving the problem. The second thing she did was to set a limit on her enabling of Tom. 
She realized that she was making it easier for him to be irresponsible, so she said no to her desire to protect him from his dreadful dinner reheating. These two changes made a difference for both partners. Remember, boundaries in marriage are not the same as boundaries on your spouse. This study that we're currently in is not about changing, fixing, or making your spouse do anything. It's about bringing boundaries into the relationship to provide a context in which both mates can grow. More often than not, the first boundaries we set in marriage are with ourselves. We deny ourselves certain freedoms to say or do whatever we'd like in order to achieve a higher purpose. Like Lynn, we earn to restrict ourselves from confronting someone when that has proven futile. The writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 9.8, Do not rebuke a mocker, or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Many spouses use the concept of boundaries to go on the hunt to make their mate change his ways. Instead of a marriage problem, they see it as a spouse problem. Now, I'm not saying denying a spouse's responsibility for problems is the thing to do. However, blaming one's spouse oversimplifies the issue and often doesn't solve the problem. Doctors Cloud and Townsend say that the reality of boundaries in marriage is that no matter what the issue in your marriage, you need to take the initiative to solve it. You may have a spouse who is chronically late, like Tom, or is financially irresponsible, or withdraws and avoids relationship, or becomes angry or attempts to control you. Though you may share no blame in creating these problems, you probably need to take some initiative in solving them. This often seems unfair to people. They will say, well, why should I have to solve a problem I didn't cause? This is a legitimate question. However, the question exposes a demand for fairness that will never exist in a fallen world. Such a question keeps people protesting and complaining while still mired in the problem. You know, God sees it another way. He says that no matter who causes a problem, we are to take steps to solve it. Matthew 5, 24 says that if our brother has something against us, we are to go to him. And at the same time, Matthew 18.15 says that if our brother sins against us, we are to go to him. The fault is irrelevant. We need to work to resolve the problem. God works this way also. He saw our lost state and the problems we had caused ourselves and took the first step of sending his son to die to reconcile a problem that was never his. There's an old song that says, we owed a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. Another reason we need to look first at our own boundaries on ourselves is that more often than not, we aren't blameless. Typically, spouses are performing a dance they don't even talk about. But the dance perpetuates the problem and generally involves a payoff for the innocent spouse. The innocent spouse needs to see what part, active or passive, he or she plays in the problem. In Matthew 7, 5, Jesus says, First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This plank may be some attitude or emotion we aren't aware of that encourages the problem to continue. 
An important aspect of setting boundaries with ourselves is that of taking ownership of our lives. We need to take responsibility for our hearts, our lives, our time, and our talents. We are, in fact, to parent ourselves. We are to own our lives and live in God's light, growing up and maturing our character along the way. Ephesians 4.15 puts it this way, Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. This is our job and no one else's. This is not as easy as it sounds. We are more concerned about the person who is making us crazy or miserable than we are about the state of our own souls. Blaming someone else shifts the light of truth from us to someone else. Well, we come by this trait honestly. Remember the narrative in Genesis 3:11 through 13? Adam and Eve both blamed someone else for their own failings. When we neglect setting boundaries with ourselves and focus instead on setting boundaries we think sorely need limits, we have limited our own spiritual growth. As in any growth process, spiritual growth proceeds to the level that we invest in it. When we only invest in changing someone else, the important work we have to do has been neglected. For example, you may have these reactions to your spouse. You may withdraw from their anger. Or you may have resentment at their responsibility. Or letting go of your responsibilities due to their inattention. Or becoming self-centered out of their self-centeredness. Let's assume for a minute that your spouse is all of these things. Angry, irresponsible, inattentive, and self-centered. You will not grow if you continue to react to their sins. This is not, as Matthew 6.33 says, seeking first God's kingdom and righteousness. Rather, it is seeking satisfaction from another person. We must become more deeply concerned about our own issues than our spouses. Someday I'm going to have to give an account of my life on earth to God. Scripture tells me that that's going to be a one-on-one conversation. Boundaries with yourself are a much bigger issue than boundaries in your marriage. In the end, while we are only partly responsible for growing our marriages, we are completely responsible to God for developing our very souls. You are responsible for half of your marriage and all of your soul. Boundaries on yourself are between you and God. In many marriages, one mate is more obviously selfish, irresponsible, withdrawn, or controlling. The other is perceived as the suffering saint, the good spouse. People wonder how they tolerate the pain of living with such a problem person. This often makes it hard for the good spouse to set appropriate boundaries for themselves. Doctors Cloud and Townsend tell us there are basically three reasons for this. One, the suffering spouse may focus more on his spouse's problem than on his own. The more apparent the flaws, the more friends will talk about the flaws of the spouse rather than the problem of the sufferer. Two, the good spouse often feels helpless in the relationship. They have tried to love better and more, yet the problems continue. Three, the good spouse can easily take a morally superior position toward their spouse. Since their contributions to the problem may not be as obvious, they may think, I'm not capable of being as destructive as my mate. This is a dangerous position. Check out Romans 3, 10-18 and 1 Corinthians 10, 12. 
Anytime we focus on our goodness, we turn our hearts away from our need for love and forgiveness. Well, thanks for being with me today. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.